right, so the title of the word I want to share this morning is called Heart Analysis. Heart Analysis. By way of reminder, as a church, our vision is to be ready for the Lord's return. And a key part of being ready for his return is ensuring that our hearts are in the right place. As, the Bible, as you know, the Bible says that when the Lord returns, he's going to come, as he said, in the twinkling of an eye. The Bible gives us pre-warnings of signs and things that will take place that will give you an indication that the Lord is returning. And without going into too much detail, there are multiple signs that are taking place right now that will suggest that the Lord, his return is very soon. So our encouragement or the prompt that we have is to make sure that our house is in order. But by house, I mean your life is in order. That you are doing everything that you know that you need to do to be in line with God's will. Because when he comes, there's no second chance, as it were. There's a scripture that talks about the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins. And that is almost a precursor of when Jesus comes. Because there were five who were wise, prepared themselves with the oil because they knew what was coming. They knew that the groom was coming. So they got things in store. They were ready. They were prepared. So when the groom came, they went with the groom. But the five foolish were focusing on other things that they thought were correct. Things that they were focusing on that were not in line with helping them to prepare for when the groom came. And when the groom came, as we know, they were not ready. They had no oil. And they were trying to get the oil from the ones who were ready. So my encouragement to all of you is to ensure that we are preparing ourselves. So do everything that you can to be ready and to prepare yourselves for the Lord's return. Amen? Now I want to ask you this question. When was the last time that you actually conducted a real self-analysis on the condition of your heart? Both spiritually as well as physically. And we're going to look into this in a bit more detail. Physically speaking, I'm talking about going to the doctors and checking on your heart. Your heart. I don't know when the last time any of us have gone to the doctors and asked them to do some kind of check on our hearts. Because as I will go into some of uh, the things I'm looking into, the heart is an integral part of your body. And the heart is an integral part of your being spiritually. So what I'm going to do very quickly, on a physical level, let me just quickly just explain to us how the heart functions. I'm talking about the physical heart, firstly, and then I'll go into uh, the spiritual element of the heart. So as we know, the heart is like a pump. Basically, it pumps blood around your body. Now, why is that important? Because the blood represents life. Without the blood in your body, your body would not function at all. I'm sure you, some of you have been in the same situation where you slept for a period of time on one side of the body. And maybe when you've woken up, it's like your arm can't move or your leg can't move because you've slept on one side. And what that means is that you're basically, because you slept on one side, all the blood has flowed onto that side of the body. So where you can't move your arm or your leg, it means that the blood is basically what's stopping from flowing in that part of the body. But normally once you 
sit upright, you get into a normal position. When the blood starts flowing back to the, that part of the body, or the arm, the leg, you can then start moving it. But before then, you cannot move it. You're looking at your arm, you're trying to move your fingers, and your fingers are not moving, and your legs are not moving, because there's no blood, there's no life within the body. So the heart pumps blood, pumps life around your body. As we know, the heart is a muscle, and it's literally the size of your fist. And it's situated at the center of your torso, towards the left. And the fact that it's in the, at the center, that has its own significance. Because the heart is the very center of you as a person. A few more facts, then I'll go into the spiritual side. The heart pumps around 150 beats, sorry, about 150,000 times each day. And it pumps around five liters, which is eight pints of blood, around your bl or body. And it does so through blood vessels, uh, which is named the circulation system. Now it uses arteries and veins that work in a different way. And those are like, you know, uh, avenues in which the blood can flow. So the blood goes through arteries and veins, and through those, that's how the blood is able to move itself from different parts of the body. Now, see, sometimes, as we know, the heart can be unwell. There could be issues with the heart. And some of the things that can, that can cause the heart, well, some of the, 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 the names of the things that can cause the heart to have issues are things such as uh, heart disease, um, strokes, um, dementia, vascular dementia, diabetes, to name but a few. And some of these things can be fatal if you have them. Now, medically speaking, one of the main issues that causes the heart to have problems is where it says where the arteries um, are blocked. And there's a buildup of, of some kind of a fatty material that stops the blood from flowing around the body and connecting to the brain. So where there's a blockage, for whatever reason, for the blood to flow around the body and to link with the brain, that will cause issues with the whole body. Not just one part, but with the whole, the whole body. For the heart is so powerful that it even emits electricity as it functions. And that's why when there's a problem with the heart, medically you'll find that they'll use a defibrillator, which is that electronic thing, to kickstart the heart, to beat into, into play. And, and also those in hospital, they use that machine where they you know, press down on, on your heart because the heart emits electricity. So physically, we all know how the heart functions. But now let's switch over to the spiritual side of our heart. Now, as I said before, your heart spiritually is a representation of you. When the Bible talks about your heart, the Bible's talking about you as a person. It's talking about your entire makeup, your personality, talking about your character, your behavior, etc. And the interesting thing about the heart is that it works almost like a magnet in some way. If you've used a magnet recently, those of us, most of us have magnets on our fridge. 
The magnet attracts. It draws things in. When you put a magnet on the fridge, it just latches onto that fridge because the way that magnet is built, it attracts and the heart attracts. When the heart is exposed to elements of love, when the heart is exposed to uh, things that are attractive, it latches on. It is attracted to those things. But there's another side to magnets. That magnets also repel and push away. I have a watch at home that the charger is an, is an electronic uh, charger. So when you put the charger on the watch, when it's on the right way, it latches onto it and it starts charging. But if you turn it the wrong way, no matter what you do, you try to put the thing on, it keeps pushing the charger away. It repels it, it keeps pushing it away. And the heart can do exactly the same thing. When the heart has been exposed to things that the heart believes is negative, things that the heart does not accept very well, no matter how much you try to push it onto the heart, it will push it away. Another interesting thing about the heart is that the heart is impressionable. And let me explain what that means. Those of us of the kind of my generation or so, when you're in school, do you remember tracing paper? I don't know whether the, if it's called tracing paper now, but tracing paper basically is paper that is quite thin and you use it if you want to draw something. You would put it on, on top of maybe a picture and underneath the tracing paper, you can see that picture and then you can just draw over it. And as you draw, it also, what you're drawing not only goes on the, on the tracing paper, but it also goes on the paper underneath. So then it leaves an impression on that paper that's underneath. And that's how the heart works. When the heart is exposed to something and it hears something, it leaves an impression. Let me give you an example. If someone came to you, let's say I came to Ozzy and I began to speak to Ozzy, let's say about somebody I have an issue with. And I'm telling Ozzy that I don't like this, that, or the other about this particular person or so. Now, by the time I finish talking to Ozzy, depending on where his heart is, I've left an impression on Ozzy. So because I'm not happy with the person and I've released that onto him, the impression that I've left has, or the words that I've left has left an impression on him. And it's likely that as a result of my speaking, he now has an issue with that person. He hasn't spoken to the person. He hasn't gone back to, to hear the person's uh, view on what's, what's been said. But because I've spoken to him and I've, I've relayed this information to him, I've now left an impression that's been imprinted on him. So now he has an issue with the person the same way I have an issue with the person. Meanwhile, he hasn't spoken to the person because that's how the heart works. It leaves an impression. And I remember there was an issue that we had years ago when we were living um, in Dartford with one of our neighbors. He used to play music at silly times of the day, etc. And I used to knock on this guy's door and be like, my friend, why are you playing music this, at this time like this loud? And in the early stages, like, oh, sorry, mate, so, sorry, I'll, I'll turn it down, blah, blah, blah. The following week, the same thing, I'll knock on the door. I'm like, guy, your music's too loud. Really? I didn't think it was that loud. This went on for, for weeks, then for months, then up to years, to the point where I'll knock on his door. He'll open the door, and I'm just standing there, like, just looking at him like, and then he'll look back at me and say, it's not even that loud. 
So then lo and behold, about a year or so afterwards, there was a particular other neighbor that he was friends with. So now clearly, he was talking to this neighbor and obviously saying about he's not happy with the fact that I'm knocking on his door, etc. So one time I saw this neighbor and the way the neighbor was looking at me was very clear that he had spoken to the neighbor. The neighbor just, just, just stood there in the middle of the road and just looking at me with some funny look on her face. And I knew clearly, obviously he's been speaking to the woman and saying whatever. And I was so tempted to open my mouth and start saying, why are you looking, blah, blah. But I just left it because I knew, I thought, listen, that's just going to open up another door to something else. So I left it. But that is, a, again, an example of how we leave impressions because of our hearts. That's the way our heart works. Everyone's heart is impressionable in a different way. So similar to the natural heart, as I mentioned before, if the wrong things have access to our hearts, it could lead to a disconnection from God. To such an extent that it can be beyond repair. And I mentioned before about some of the physical heart conditions in terms of um, uh, strokes, uh, diabetes, etc. These things can be fatal. But where in your heart there is a disconnection, because of impressions that have been made, that too can be fatal spiritually because the disconnection that you have in your heart with God at times because of our minds can be beyond repair. So our hearts, as I said before, are so important. What you hear, and we're going to go into more detail in this uh, later on, the things that you hear, the things that you watch, the things that you expose your heart to, trust me, are so important. Sometimes you can think that you can take yourself somewhere and the environment is such that you think, I, I can go, that's not a problem. But you don't know what your heart condition is and how you've exposed your heart to something that at the time you think it's okay, but when you leave that particular place or leave uh, the conversation with that particular person, what impression has it left on you? The heart. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 6 says this. Said the Lord your God will circumcise your hearts. The Lord your God will circumcise your hearts. See, it's important whenever you read the Bible to understand the different symbolisms in the Bible. The Bible will use different things to symbolize something else, and it's important to understand and to study what some of these things are. Now, many of you, I'm sure, those of us who've you know um, had children or have boys, I'm pretty sure that out of culture that you have circumcised your child. That's a, in the Christian circles, is a bit of a norm as a culture. You know, you give birth to a boy, normally um, within eight days, which is what um, the scripture kind of uh, refers to, you circumcise your child, even if it's not eight days or after that time. But generally speaking, boys are taken to be circumcised. And we know what that means, generally speaking, is that the, the, the foreskin is cut off. That's what it means. But the symbolism behind it is uh, quite important. In the Old Testament, Hebrew boys went through the whole issue of circumcision. Because it signified being clean, signified being approved of God. If you were circumcised, as far as God was concerned, you were in right standing with him. You were clean, you were pure um, before God. And in such a condition, God promised to bring protection to you. He promised to guide and to bless 
whenever you were circumcised. I want to read the scripture in Romans 2. I'm reading from uh, verse 25 to 29. And it says this, it says, The Jewish ceremony of circumcision has value only if you obey God's law. But if you don't obey God's law, you are no better off than any, than an uncircumcised Gentile. And if Gentiles obey God's law, won't God declare them to be his own people? In fact, uncircumcised Gentiles who keep God's law will condemn you, you Jews who are circumcised and possess God's law, but don't obey it. For you are not a true Jew just because you were born of Jewish parents or because you have gone through the ceremony of circumcision. No, a true Jew is one whose heart is right with God. And the true circumcision is not merely obeying the letter of the law. Rather, it is a change of heart. Touch your neighbor and say, change of heart. It is a change of heart produced by the Spirit. And a person with a changed heart speaks praise from God, not from people. Circumcision talks about your heart being changed. Remember I said when you're circumcised, you are almost like a, you are approved of God in terms of how the Bible speaks of circumcision. But it involves a change of heart. Your heart condition is changed. So circumcision of the heart, again, isn't a, a case of that you go to a rabbi and they do their stuff and then you're in right standing with God. Because this is what uh, the Apostle Paul was talking about. Those that were religious in, in, in the sense of they would do things that were correct, but the hearts were off. And we get that nowadays. People come to do religious ceremonies in the name of doing them. They do them, the box is ticked. And outwardly, it seems like it's all correct, but their hearts are in the wrong place. And see, this applies to every single one of us. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, whatever. Our hearts have to be checked. You could do the right thing. And somebody will come and pat you on the back and say, well done. But you know your heart. Because many times you can do the right thing, but our hearts are in a different place altogether. The workplace is probably the one of the number one places where that takes place. You know somebody that is always, quote unquote, kind of licking the, the boss's backside. Sorry to use that expression. But they do things outwardly that demonstrate that they are, you know, that they are the main person to receive promotion. They're the main one that does this, that, the other. But the rest of the team see things that maybe the boss is not seeing. And they know that how this particular person, how they function, how they operate, that it isn't as it appears to the boss. So circumcision is not something that we just do outwardly. The Bible says that a person with a changed heart seeks praise from God and not from people. So spiritually speaking, circumcision means to be cut away, to be separated unto God. And it's being separated from anything that promotes or produces in us wrong impulses or wrong actions. Matthew 5, chapter 5, verse 8 says, 
those whose hearts are pure will see God. Again, God is looking at our hearts. He's looking at our hearts to be pure. Because when your heart is pure, you'll be able to see and hear God where others can't. Sometimes God will speak to us about something. And because our hearts are pure before him, we are hearing exactly what God wants us to hear. But at the same time, God may speak the same thing to you, but because your heart isn't in the right place, you will hear something that God has genuinely spoken to you. But because your heart is not where it should be, you have interpreted that thing in the wrong way completely because your heart isn't connected to God. It's connected with something else. It's so important that we do this analysis of our hearts, similar to when you take your car to have its MOT. If you take it to to your car to MOT and then the the guy comes back and tells you that there's this issue and that issue with the engine or something like that, are you just going to ignore what the person has said, jump in your car and just drive off and have no intention of addressing what they've said? Nobody does that because you know that if you do that, that car is going to eventually break down and it could break down beyond repair. But it's so similar to our hearts. At times, God will be speaking to us. And the thing I love about the way God speaks is that he would do it in a way that is so uh, unexpected and so against how you think God will speak to you. So someone will just randomly come and say something to you. Maybe somebody that you don't even talk to often. And they will say something that as soon as they say it, it hits you here. But then you look at the person thinking, I don't know. You just kind of, okay, no problem. But you know that what has been said has impacted your heart. But your focus is on the fact that, how can this person be saying this to me? They don't know, blah, blah, blah. But see, that's how God can speak. He speaks to us primarily through our hearts. That's why sometimes you can go and do something and everything seems correct. It seems like this is something I should do. Everyone's saying to you, yeah, go ahead. Brilliant, go ahead and do it. But then there's a little check. And that's the Holy Spirit. God speaking to you saying, you know what? Not now, no, don't do it. But all the noise is saying, go ahead, do this thing. But that check in your heart is God speaking to you. When our hearts are connected to God, we begin and we allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us to make the right decisions. As I read Matthew 5, 8, it says, those whose hearts are pure will see God. That word pure can be translated to be without contamination. When your hearts are without contamination, you can clearly hear when God is speaking. You can see when God is moving. There's a big difference between a clear stream and a polluted one. I'm talking about contamination here. In terms of water, if a stream has been contaminated and a stream is clear, there's a very clear difference between the two. In the same way, there's a big difference between forgiveness and cleansing. 
Again, we're talking about the heart here. It's like the difference between when you go to your garden and you cut off the weeds in your garden. You know, when they come up in the hedges or in between the, uh, the pavings. There's a big difference between just cutting them and just pulling them up. Doing that compared to pulling them up from the roots. A very clear difference. See, forgiveness deals with the result of sin. The result is easy to identify. Generally speaking, if somebody's offended or there's bitterness or there's withdrawal, that's the result of sin. And let me touch on withdrawal because that's one of the things that the enemy uses us to do, which is very dangerous when we take a step back deliberately from things because we don't want to address things. This is one of the seeds of unforgiveness that the enemy is trying to, it's been used for a long period of time and that we have to be aware of. But cleansing deals with the root cause of sin. And see, that's not always easy to identify because it deals with your, at times it deals with your upbringing. It deals with your past. It deals with your character flaws. So when those things are identified and uprooted, it's not always an easy thing. Pastor Nicholas last week was speaking on repentance. And that links in with forgiveness. Because forgiveness comes by confession. And we'll look at that later on. But cleansing comes by walking in the light. First John chapter 1, 7 says, If we walk in the light as he is in the light, the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. You know, sometimes you can have this habit of just being tripped up by different forms of, 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 of the same sin over and over again. And you end up asking, Lord, forgive me, forgive me. And that's because we need cleansing for the Lord to uproot the root cause of that sin. So our hearts need to be circumcised, going back to the scripture before. And that's a job only for the Holy Spirit. Only the Holy Spirit can circumcise our hearts. My time is up. I want to just quickly add this before I conclude and close. Deliverance is, and I want to mention this very quickly. When we normally hear deliverance within the circles of, of church, we see this deliverance as being this kind of taboo. Someone is, you know, demon-possessed, etc. But the reality is that every single one of us needs deliverance from something. Because all deliverance is is that there's a spirit that were within us that we haven't yielded to God. And it could be anything. It could be lying. It could be uh, a particular habit. It could be um, unforgiveness. It could, it could be anything that we know that the Bible speaks about. 
that is contrary to how he wants us to live. And we all have those things, because even though that we're born again, even though that we're saved, these spirits are still there, and we have to yield them to God daily. So we all need deliverance in one sense. And this is very central to cleansing, us receiving deliverance. So if we are wise and humble children of God, we'll recognize that there's a need for deliverance in our lives and bring it before the Lord and ask him, Lord, show me where I need to receive deliverance in whatever area. God of time, I want us to pray. Now, to be honest, I haven't even really even got into much of what I wanted to say today, but what I've said so far, I want you to pray and just to bring yourself before the Lord this morning and ask him to search your heart. There's a scripture in Proverbs 4, which I will go into when I conclude and share this word. It says about guarding your heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues of life. God wants us to guard our hearts. But he wants us to guard our hearts from anything that is sinful. Anything that will cause us to either do things or behave in a way that's contrary to his word. It doesn't mean that you guard your heart from being hurt because to some extent that's impossible. The Bible says that God is love. So when we love as made in God's image, if you love somebody, you will be hurt because when you love, your heart is exposed. Your heart is transparent before them. So the scripture is not saying that you should guard your heart from being hurt. It's saying that we should guard our heart from sin so right now I want you to just pray and just bring yourself before the Lord and ask the Lord to help to release and to open up anything that you know that's in your heart that you need to surrender to him to ask the Lord to forgive you to repent of to release there could be people in your, that's on your mind or those that have done something to you that you know you need to release them and it's on your heart just bring those things before the Lord and ask the Lord to help you to release those things. If you need to repent of anything, then I'll say, Lord, forgive me where I have held these things with my heart. But right now, just spend time just speaking to him and ask, Lord, release my heart. I surrender my heart to you. Thank you, Lord God. Lord, as you hear your children praying, I just bring all that has been discussed before you. Lord, I pray that, Lord, that in our hearts, that you would do a work. The scripture says that you will circumcise our hearts. Cause our hearts to be pure before you. If there's anything in our hearts that is not of you, Lord, remove it. We pray, O oh God, that you will help us to be in right standing. We understand the importance and the value of our hearts and the role that it plays in our walk with you. So the song says, we give you our heart, we give you our soul, Lord. We live for you alone. So Father, we pray, help us and cause us, O oh God, to daily re re evaluate the condition of our hearts.
so that, Lord, we are in right standing with you. So touch each one right now. Pour your spirit upon them. Those, oh God, who have heavy hurts, I pray that you would lift and you would deliver them in the name of Jesus. That you would touch them and cause them, oh God, to receive total freedom and total deliverance in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Help us, oh God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.